0: Thank you, Joanna, and thank you, everyone. The music and all of the worship has been so very rich this morning, and I've truly been blessed just by being here, and I know you feel the same way. Just a moment, I'll be bringing a a message from John's Gospel, chapter 20, beginning in verse 19, and I invite you to open your Bibles and be ready with that scripture from John 20, uh, beginning in verse 19. Before that, I'd like to invite us to a time of silence, a time of meditation. I invite you to enter the silence with me as we wait on God and as we are simply in God's presence for a few moments before I lead us in prayer. Loving, gracious, eternal God, we come to you out of the moments of silence to simply say we love you. It is good when worship has been rich and when it's washed over us to just be quiet and allow... The blessings to just be enjoyed and cherished. We read in the Psalms that you delight in your people. What an awesome thought that you delight in us. And we also read in Scripture the invitation to come to you, to know you, and to trust you more fully every day. And so we bring to you all of our prayers and all of our burdens. We pray for those in our congregations who are ill recovering from surgery, facing difficult diagnosis. We pray for the grieving for those who are dealing with loss. We pray today on behalf of a world that is struggling. We pray for all of our military personnel and their families, that you would protect them and care for them. We pray for all of our mission partners over the earth and here in the States. We pray for uh, troubled spots in Iraq and Afghanistan, in Yemen and so many places, God. We pray that you will open our hearts that we might be able to bear witness to the night and day difference that the risen Christ makes in our lives, that we might bear witness faithfully in this community and our world by the way we live and talk and serve, take from our lives, cleanse us from all malice and pretension and envy and hurtful words. Give us a desire for purity of life that would honor you and make you proud as our Heavenly Father. Help us to live new lives raised in Jesus Christ to show by our behavior the risen Christ on display in us and through us. Guide our thinking and our speaking and our doing in this time of worship as you anoint these words for your glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. John's Gospel, chapter 20, beginning in verse 19. If you're able, would you stand and come to attention as I read God's Word aloud? When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in His name. This is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. May God bless it for our ears. You may be seated. Easter isn't over yet. That's a, that's a statement that needs to be drilled into our heads and into our hearts. Easter isn't over yet. There's a reason that the lectionary readings, the assigned or suggested readings for the church every Sunday of the year, linger over the resurrection stories of Jesus and tell those stories from different angles. Because tide is a season, not just a day. Easter Sunday was last week, but tide is a season that lasts clear till Pentecost Sunday because Scripture wants us to get the Easter story and not just talk about it once. Think about this. The church teaches its faith not only by what it says, but by what it does not say. Now think about this. If we don't say anything about the resurrection of Jesus except on Easter Sunday, if we only talk about the risen Christ one Sunday a year, that communicates a message to the world that says, at worst, we believe that the resurrection of Jesus is a funeral fairy tale, or at best, we believe that the resurrection is a minor doctrine, a minor teaching that doesn't have a lot of consequence. In reality, the opposite is true. The resurrection means everything. If Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead, nothing else we do much matters. And if Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, nothing else much matters because the resurrection is the center of our faith. It's the focus of what we believe and preach. Now, the story in John's Gospel, chapter 20, if you note carefully, is very carefully balanced. It's balanced between continuity and discontinuity. Jesus was sort of like, uh, the risen Christ was sort of like uh, the Jesus before his crucifixion, but the risen Christ is sort of different from before his crucifixion. There is, there is a continuity, yet a discontinuity. There's a sameness and a difference. For example, he's very much the same. There's a physicality to Jesus in his resurrection body. He says, look at my hands, Look at the scar, the wound in my side. There's a physicality to him. He's a real, live human being. There's that continuity, but there's discontinuity. He's raised from the dead. He's shown up uh, in a room that had its door shut and probably locked. So there's a sameness and there's a difference. Here's the point. The point is, closed doors cannot hinder a risen Savior. Closed doors, locked doors, are no hindrance to a risen Christ. That's a powerful truth, and that's a resurrection truth that Scripture wants us to get because Scripture keeps on talking about the resurrection. Uh, Years ago, Oscar Wilde wrote a wonderful play entitled Salome. And in that play, there's a scene where King Herod becomes very disturbed because he hears reports that Jesus of Nazareth is raising people from the dead. Now, this is during Jesus' earthly ministry. And King Herod, who feels very threatened, is concerned uh, about these stories of Jesus raising people. And in the play, and in a great scene, this is what Herod says. I forbid him to do that. I allow no man to raise the dead. This man must be found and told, I forbid him, to raise dead people. You see the humor of that? That human beings, uh, potentates and rulers, pretend to be over everything and forbid God and defy God to raise people from the dead, and yet the risen Savior keeps showing up in the most unexpected places. The risen Savior keeps showing up through locked doors and through locked hearts, in amazing ways, some of us who were at midweek uh, worship this past week down in the fellowship hall got to hear a great report of what God is doing in Eastern Europe. Uh, one of the leaders of that ministry was with us, and earlier that day, some of us had lunch with him and and heard an amazing story. I want to share with you. Uh, in Eastern Europe, it's no secret. Uh, if you've traveled there on some mission trips or for other reasons, in Eastern Europe, occasionally the the government will remind churches of a decree, and that decree is that churches may not teach the faith, the gospel may not teach about Jesus Christ to children. That's, That's one of the rules. Churches may not do that. Well, the churches in Eastern Europe started praying about that, and they asked God to intervene, and here's what happened. Two ladies came to some church leaders in Eastern Europe and said, we work for the government and our superiors have told us that we are to hold summer camps for children for recreation purposes and for uh, purposes of of giving the children a break uh, from their regular routine to, to strengthen their life experience. And the lady said to the church leaders, we've never run a camp in our lives. We don't even know where to start or how to start but you've done many camps. Would you run the camp for us? In fact, here are the dates, and there are 150 children coming in two different sessions, and you may teach any curriculum you want. Just run the camps for us so we can report back that we have held the summer camps so our superiors will not be angry with us. You can teach anything you want. The risen Savior just keeps showing up in rooms where the doors have been locked. God just keeps on doing resurrection things like that. It's interesting that in this story, John does not try to hide the fact that the disciples were hiding in the room for fear. They were still bewildered about this resurrection news, and they were still afraid of those who had crucified Jesus. And so Scripture says in verse 19 that they were, they were behind closed doors in fear. Fear is a terrible, terrible enemy. Have you, have you stopped to think about the, the toll that fear takes on our lives? Uh, neuropsychologists tell us that anxiety actually is toxic to the brain. That anxiety affects the brain chemically in such a way that it corrupts the brain's normal patterns. So that through that corruption and through that that messing with our brain, uh, we are led to depart from normal, healthy patterns of behavior. We are led away from others and we are led away from our best self. Fear is toxic, and fear is powerful. And What's the answer to fear? Did you notice in the story that I read earlier from John 20, three times Jesus says, Peace be with you. In verse 19, in verse 21, and in verse 26. Three times, peace be with you. Now, when you see peace be with you uh, in Scripture... Uh, It's not just a greeting. It's not just like saying howdy or yo. Peace is filled with theological significance. Peace means God's wholeness, God's provision. And when the early church started exchanging peace with one another, it was a a liturgical act of, of declaration of faith, saying we trust in God in this chaotic world to hold our world together. Peace is what was announced when Jesus was born. Peace on earth, goodwill among everyone. When Jesus was ministering in that storm, when he was in the boat, he stretched out his arms and he simply said, peace be still, and the sea was calm. Peace is the very essence of who Jesus is. And peace is what he offers in times of fear. And what's more, that third peace be with you from verse 26, that was to Thomas and the others. So peace is not only the answer to fear, peace is also the answer to doubt. That even when we have doubts, even when we have fears, the peace of Jesus is there to provide for us in a time of need. But, but, I want to turn the page Jesus did not just come back from the dead to help us all feel good. You know that, don't you? He didn't just come back from the dead to help us all feel good. He was raised from the dead to summon us to join him in his mission. Because right after that second peace be with you, in verse 21, Jesus says, Peace be with you, and then he says, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. First there is the comfort. Then there is the commission. You can't go off on Christ's commission and do his work if, you, if you've not yet experienced his peace. But if you've experienced his peace, you can't just sit with it and hoard it First, there is comfort, and then there is commission. We are called to participate in Jesus' mission. how, How do we do that? How do we find the energy? Look in the next verse, verse 22. When he had said, so I send you, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power the energy to keep going when we're tired and discouraged. The Holy Spirit is the anointing on our lives when we wear out and just think we can't go on anymore or make the right choices. The Holy Spirit is the one who's anointing and nudging the church to get out of her sameness. The the Holy Spirit is the one who, who drenches us so that we can be nudged out of the familiar and the safe. The Holy Spirit is the one that we breathe in so that we might find the strength for new ideas and new approaches. And let me just say this, if you are open to the risen Christ Spirit, you will never be bored. In your life and in your church, there will always be surprises. Because where the Holy Spirit is working, there will always be newness. There will always be freshness. There will always be moving beyond the walls as the risen Christ is not stopped by locked doors. About a week ago, uh, Janet and I went to see the movie Insurgent. And uh, if you're not acquainted with that movie and that whole series of books, Insurgent is a uh, sci-fi thriller that is uh, set in sort of a, a post-apocalyptic world that has been overrun and is trying to be rebuilt, and everyone is organized in society into factions, and those factions are a means of controlling society. Uh, And uh, there is this underlying theme, this ominous theme that runs throughout the movie about the wall. No one is to go beyond the wall. You can't survive beyond the wall. There's, there's danger beyond the wall. There's, there's destruction beyond the wall. You have to stay where it's safe. And without giving the movie away uh, too much and saving you $10 on a ticket, uh, toward the end of the movie, there's a change in perspective. You know? Maybe beyond the wall is not danger and destruction. Maybe beyond the wall is where we're supposed to be with our diversity, with our uniqueness. Maybe beyond the wall is where we're supposed to be living out our mission, and there's this, there's this phrase that's repeated at least once. It's stated twice at least in the movie, and here's the phrase. The world is waiting with hope for you beyond the wall. Isn't that interesting? The world is waiting with hope for you beyond the wall. What a message for the church in the season of Easter tide, what a message for a church getting ready in two weeks to uh, conduct our mission J.C., where we uh, put aside traditional worship at 8:15 and 10:45, and we worship by serving in these 50-plus projects all throughout the community as we love on our community. The world is waiting for us. Jefferson City is waiting for us with hope. Just beyond the wall. And Jesus, the risen one, not only cannot be locked out of rooms, neither can the risen one be locked in rooms. He can't be locked in a church building. He keeps showing up beyond the walls. And that's where we need to be with him on our mission. But I've said save the best part till last. The risen Christ showing up in rooms where the doors are locked. The risen Christ continually coming after his people. There is a theme in the 20th chapter of John. The risen one does not wait on his people to come to him on that Easter evening he goes and seeks his disciples. Yes, the ones who messed up and the ones who abandoned him. And then a week later, beginning in verse 26, he lovingly goes after Thomas the doubter to let us know that doubt is not the worst thing that could ever happen in your heart. The Savior is always pursuing us. The risen one whether the doors of our hearts are locked or not is always coming after us because he pursues a love relationship with us when our oldest daughter was very small, she got old enough that we could play peekaboo with her and i 'll never forget she was just tiny, but she was old enough to love peekaboo She would stand in the living room I can remember the wall and the parsonage when we Uh, when we would, would play with her, she would stand against the wall in plain sight with her eyes covered, and she thought she was hiding from us. Because she thought in her childishness, if I can't see them, they can't see me. But in plain sight, here she was, hiding. But we could see her all the time. What foolishness. We think if we're not thinking about God, God's not thinking about us. We think if we're not loving God, God's not loving us, but wrong. God's always pursuing. God's always coming after us. God never stops coming after his children. Someone told me a story recently, a man's Christian testimony that said he was so afraid of God He so ran from God that he would not attend funerals, he would not attend weddings, he would never set foot inside of a church building, he was so afraid that God might claim his life. Later on, the man became a Christian, because the risen Christ keeps showing up in rooms with locked doors. I could tell you about a man who was fighting a call to ministry when he was in high school, And God just kept lovingly, gently coming after him, but he thought, you know, I want to finish high school, I want to get through college, then I'll talk to you, God. And his church was going to have a revival meeting. And uh, this guy thought, you know, great, I don't have to go to a revival meeting. God might call me to preach. I don't have to go to a revival meeting because I'm in a, School play, and we have rehearsals every night of the week. But he forgot about Sunday morning. No play practice on Sunday morning. And when I was there in church that Sunday morning, God called me to the ministry. That was me. You just can't run from a Savior who loves you that much. You can't hide from a Savior who just show, keeps showing up. In these rooms with locked doors, who just keep showing up in hearts with locked doors. You just never know when the risen Christ is going to show up, do you? You just never know where the risen Christ is going to show up. Let's bow our heads together so that you may come to trust in Jesus Christ as your only Savior. And that's the call of the gospel. That's the response that God seeks this morning, the Savior who keeps coming toward us, keeps coming after us, that we might come to trust in him as our our boss, as our Lord. And if you've not ever received him into your life, trusted him with the only soul you have, we invite you to do that this morning. And if that's the decision you're making and you want some help firming it up or you want to ask some questions. Some of us will be here in the front during the response time. Others are already believers, followers of Christ, but God's inviting you to uh, maybe a fresh commitment. We invite you to come and pray with one of us or just where you are to make that fresh uh, level of commitment to Christ. Maybe the Lord's inviting you to join our church family, be a part of First Baptist officially, and we welcome you to come during this response time as well. Loving God. Thank you for the power of the risen Christ that is not deterred by any kind of human barrier. Speak to our hearts now with clarity and with passion, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and Rod will lead us as we sing.